Welcome to episode four of the Great Weird North. It's been a month already, and my husband is here today listening. His name is Will. He's going to talk about what he's doing on his story next month. So the story I did today is about St. Thomas Psychiatric Center. Um, Sources I used were asylumprojects.org, talkingwallsphoto.com, lfpress.com, militarybruce.com, newsinteractives.cbc.ca, and a show called Knock Knock Ghost. So construction of the psychiatric center began in 1937 and it opened in 1939, so, and it was huge, so that was pretty fast for that. It was known as the Ontario Hospital St. Thomas. It was built on the land of six area farms. The hospital accepted its first 32 patients in April of 1939. By August of 1939, the hospital housed almost 1,100 patients and over 2,400 at its highest. Even before construction was finished, it was known as the finest mental health hospital in the country because of its modern design. The site of the hospital included 460 acres of land for the facility's food and produce needs. The nurse's residence was across the street and connected to the property through underground tunnels. The building is still in use as the administration offices for Elgin County. The tunnel still connects the building to the hospital. Shortly after World War II began in September 1939, Premier Mitchell Hepburn negotiated to lease the hospital buildings to the Department of National Defense and by late October 1939, patients and staff were relocated to other hospitals across the province and the hospital grounds became a training base and school for more than 60,000 Air Force personnel. The school was known as the number one training and technical school. The nurse's residence was converted to house the RCAF officers and their families. The school was equipped to handle more than 2,000 students at a time, and they offered six-month courses for aircraft electricians and aero engineers, airframe and instrument mechanics, and training for fabric and sheet metal workers. By October 1942, 20,000 ground crew personnel had graduated from the school. In 1944, capacity for treating returning wounded soldiers was increased from 200 to 700 beds. At the end of the war, the facility was returned to the Ontario Department of Health and restored to a fully functioning psychiatric hospital. Sounds like that building went through one hell of a change. Yeah. Um, When it reopened in November of 1945, Superintendent... Yeah, I can't talk. Super... I'm broken. Superintendent Dr. Lynch said the hospital was the most advanced in the Dominion. By April of 1958, the number of patients admitted peaked at 2,238. During this time, the facility pioneered many innovative approaches that supported patient health and well-being. A forensic mental health program was introduced in 1976. A new state-of-the-art hospital was built and opened in 2013, on the north end of the property. The new facility is entirely devoted to forensic psychiatry, which better supports staff and implements a recovery model of care for patients by creating healing environments and allows for individual growth and skill development and allows patients to return to community living more successfully. 
So they, I watched a video that said it was cheaper to build a new building than to tear the old one down. So the entire old hospital is still there and there's just a new one <laughs> on the one end of the property. So road trip? Yeah, okay. <laughs> you can't go in, but you can go around it. Like the one video I watched, the guy like flew his drone over top and you could see the whole layout. It was massive. Like it was all kinds of buildings connected by different tunnels. It was weird. Yeah, you'd still never catch me going in there though. You can't go in. You're not allowed. I know, even if you could though. <laughs> the knock knock ghost people were allowed to go in, but the other video I watched, um, they weren't allowed to go in. They had to keep hiding from security. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. That's ultimate hide-and-seek. Yeah. So not everything was as good as it looked on the outside. Even though it sounds like it has been turned into something good, this place houses people who have committed crimes they are not held responsible for because they are mentally unstable. About 90% of the patients committed nonviolent crimes, but some were charged with more serious offenses, including murder and manslaughter. The old buildings are said to hold a history of physical and sexual abuse against patients whom were referred to as imbeciles, lunatics, and idiots. <laughs> it's not very nice. In 1988, two patients at the hospital were given day passes to allow them to work. One of these, one of these patients earned enough money to buy a car. On March 31st, one of the, er, yeah, on March 31st, 1988, one of the two men told his boss that he wanted to, quote, leave early and get laid. <laughs> the, okay. the two men drove to London, Ontario, where they found a 14-year-old girl waiting for a bus. They abducted and beat her in the car while driving to the factory where one of the men worked. They threw her in the river. Somehow she survived and walked to a nearby house for help. Okay, now I feel kind of bad for laughing. <laughs> I know, but still, <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> the hospital has housed a few notorious patients. A 19-year-old girl was assessed at the hospital, and four months later, she killed herself in a federal prison for women in Kitchener. Her death sparked an inquest because doctors at the hospital declared her mentally stable enough to handle prison. In 2004, Andrew Bannister, a 20-year-old man, was found not criminally responsible after impaling a young female co-worker with a sword. Doctors at St. Thomas diagnosed Bannister as schizophrenic, troubled by obsessions, paranoia, and an inner voice he believed to be that of the woman he attacked. That was the one I was telling you about. What the? <laughs> um, David Carmichael of Toronto was found not criminally responsible after he put sleeping pills in the orange juice of his 11-year-old son, who had epilepsy, and strangled him in a London hotel in 2004. Doctors said Carmichael suffered from depression. Also in 2004, Alan McColeman killed his mother by beating her to death and burning her body in a backyard fire pit in Guelph, Ontario. He was diagnosed a paranoid schizophrenic and was found not criminally responsible. Oh, he sounds like a real treat. Yeah. <laughs> Edward Buxer suffered from delusions, thought people were using the internet to torture him, and believed rock musician Ted Nugent wanted to kill him. He was found not criminally responsible after he rammed his vehicle into an OPP cruiser on the shoulder of Highway 401 in 1990, killing the officer, Senior Constable James McFadden. Um, there is an article on newsinteractives.cbc.ca by Lynn Burgess called What Happens When You Turn a Psychopath Into a Therapist. This is who they had being 
therapist in this hospital that's insane. I mean, <laughs> absolutely nothing can come good of that. So, yeah. Hold on. <laughs> it talks about how Dr. Elliot T. Barker, a new psychiatrist in the mid-1960s, came up with a new treatment for curing psychopaths. His idea was that patient, patients should treat patients. New information uncovered by the show The Fifth Estate reveals that others took it one step further and had convicted sex offenders serve as therapists to women with mental illness. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> so, I can't talk. My voice keeps cracking. So, oh my goodness. I need a drink. So as she's drinking, hello everybody. I'm, I'm the husband that she never introduced. I did. I said your name is Will. Yeah, but you never actually let me say hi to anybody. Oh. So, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bad for introducing people. Oh, I haven't found out over the years. All right, you ready again? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, in 1978, a girl named Margaret from southwestern Ontario was a bit of a troublemaker and was charged with stealing a car and general mischief. Her lawyer told her that she could either go to jail for two years or do the, quote, easy time at the psychiatric hospital in St. Thomas. She chose option B because it was supposed to be easy and she would be closer to her family. She spent nine months there and said it was the hardest time of her life. She was locked up with women who were mentally ill and who were... Wow, I can't type either. And who were treated not by therapists, but by men that had been convicted of rape. Margaret said that doing this interview was tough because she had tried to forget and hadn't thought about that place in years. Documents obtained by the show The Fifth Estate reveal that between 1977 and 1983, men found either guilty or not criminally responsible for crimes including rape and murder were sent from the Oak Ridge Psychiatric Unit in Penetanguishene, Ontario to the St. Thomas Hospital to serve as teacher therapists to women with mental illness. How the hell did the... No! <laughs> That's kind of what I thought. <laughs> How do they find that proper? I don't know. In any way. Yeah, let's send a rapist here with mentally disabled <laughs> people. Right. Have your way with everybody. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> you can swear it's ex explicit. <laughs> Thank fucking Christ, because... <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Margaret says they were criminals on a power trip and that they were supposed to be helping people, but she could never figure out how they were helping. The male patients sent to St. Thomas were all considered graduates of a treatment program at the Oak, Oak Ridge Psychiatric in... Oh my God. Oak Ridge Psychiatric Unit in Penetanguishene. You say that ten times fast. <laughs> for years, Ontario's only forensic hospital for those who were found criminally insane. The hospital housed some of the country's most notorious offenders, men like Peter Woodcock, who had been convicted of murdering three children in Toronto in the late 1950s, and David Larivière, a reputed mafia hitman who'd also killed a woman with a wine bottle as she lay sleeping beside him. <laughs> Wait, where the hell did Canada have the mafia? Every, in Toronto, apparently. <laughs> I don't know. It's everywhere. Oh, shit. I'm learning stuff about Canada already. There you go. In 1976, the St. Thomas experiment began. 
The first forensic unit for women in Ontario was opened in a corner of the St. Thomas Psychiatric Hospital. The unit housed fewer than 30 women in the early days. Not many people would know what happened there if it weren't for former Oak Ridge patient William Brennan. After Brennan died in 2018 of cancer, his wife found an old trunk her husband had kept tucked away. She found a stack of documents about the treatment program stating that men convicted of rape and murder were sent to St. Thomas to be teacher therapists to mentally ill women. Brennan was convicted of raping two women and the attempted rape of a third when he was 18. Correction authorities described him as being unstable upon his arrival at St. Thomas Hospital and having poor impulse control, but despite all this, in 1977, he became the fourth Oak Ridge patient to serve as a teacher at St. Thomas. I mean, no. No, that's <laughs> not right. No. The first teacher to be sent to St. Thomas in 1977 was an incarcerated sex offender serving time in a maximum security prison for the rape and indecent assault of a young woman in 1975. He was sent to Oak Ridge and became a model prisoner at the age of 19. So Margaret, who was 17 and not mentally ill and thought she was going to have an easy time and be around a bunch of teenagers that did dumb things, was terrified all the time because she was stuck with seriously mentally ill women. She said, there, she said, quote, there was Judy, who'd killed her two children, and Gloria, who was dubbed the Swallower because of her penchant for swallowing objects like spoons, end quote. <laughs> <laughs> All I can think of is the rabbit from, um, uh, what do you call it, Alice in Wonderland? Spoon. <laughs> She says there was one actual doctor in charge of the ward, Dr. P.D. Gatfield, who came by no more than once a week. The women were forced to attend group talk therapy, but it was really the teachers yelling at them, saying they had to confront their illnesses and just, they were really aggressive towards the patients. Does that not sound like a show that we just watched? What? Kind of sounds like The Handmaid Tales. Oh, the talk therapy? Yeah, the talk therapy. That's not so From nice. the mothers. Yeah, the ants. <laughs> yeah, the ants, whatever they're called. <laughs> you must repent for being a slut. <laughs> but I was normal before all this. <laughs> yeah. Um, a patient named Emily refused to do the talk therapy and tried to leave the room. The men went after her, took her to a cell, and tied her to a mattress where they left her for hours. One of the teachers said that many of them had sexual relations with the patients, he said they were always consensual, consensual, but Emily said that was not always the case. She says that two women, one of which was physically disabled, told her that they were raped. No. <laughs> nope. No. <laughs> In 1983, after the doctor that ran the experiment left the hospital, the treatment program ended, finally. So, yeah. That's not good. No, no. I feel bad for the women that endured that. Yeah, hopefully they're able to have lives after that. I mean, that young one that went in there thinking she had a free ride, yeah. she probably screwed for I the rest mean, of her life. Yeah, she was only 17, so and that was years and years ago, so hopefully she had somewhat of a normal life. I wouldn't hold my breath. <laughs> um, so, now for the ghosties. On a show called Knock Knock Ghost... They saw orbs, heard scratching noises. The lead of the show is named is a medium named Jim Hunt. He had someone touch his ear, push him, tell him, my mom is coming coming from town to give me a sandwich. 
Um, shadow figures appear in the hallways all the time. He heard screaming and yelling and voices saying, stop hurting me. The camera picked up a squeaking noise that nobody else heard. And he asked in one of the cells, who is the woman behind me? And he got the answers, the answer, Joan. And he asked again and got the word Bob. Well, I'm just going to interrupt you right there. Just so everybody knows, my wife had the bright idea of doing this at midnight till about 2 a.m. over the last couple <laughs> days. So, yeah, as soon as she was finished, we had to watch Shit's Creek just so she could not have nightmares. Shit's <laughs> <laughs> Creek's hilarious. He asked what they, Joan and Bob were doing there. He got the words bored and guilty, and he asked who is guilty, and the voice said she is. He said there are spots where you just feel extreme anger. You can hear screaming and knocking. There's definite cold spots. Walking into any cell made Jim feel vulnerable, scared, alone, and unhappy. The EMF machine went crazy more in one cell than any others. And he heard a voice saying, get out now. In one room, there were dozens of orbs floating up and toward Jim. He was saying hi to all of them and he was freezing cold. That you could see it on the video. Like it looks like particles like dust falling, but then they would go up and like toward Jim. What the? <laughs> it was super weird. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I watched that. That was a show I was watching last night. Oh, when I scared the shit out of you? Yeah. <laughs> he said this room with the orbs was a mixture of energies, good and bad. In another room, he was getting very dizzy and he asked, are you making me dizzy? And a voice said, yes. He asked the voice to stop, but it wouldn't. He left the room, and then he felt fine. And then, right after he left the room, there was another voice that said, Fools. Called all of them fools. Uh, he felt someone stroke the back of his neck, like they were trying to keep him calm. And he said he actually felt really calm while this was happening. And that's about it for the for the ghosties. Ah, I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> so, a couple kind of cool facts about that place. Jason Momoa shot scenes for his show C at the former hospital and thousands of people flocked there for a chance to see him. And part of the second season of a show called The Boys was also filmed there. So that is the story of the St. Thomas Psychiatric Hospital. Yep, that sounds like the perfect... Place to never go. I was going <laughs> to say the perfect place for like a four, like grade four field trip. Oh god no. <laughs> you imagine? Here, kids, be scared. <laughs> um, so it's you're not allowed to go in there. The people from Knock Knock Ghosts had special permissions. You are allowed to walk around the property, but there's constant security. So if they see you even trying to go up to the door, they stop you. Uh, yeah. Be prepared for tasers. <laughs> I don't think they're that bad. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> okay, so I have a couple of... Fun Canadian facts, like always. And then we'll let you say your bit. I don't really have that much to say, though. Mm. Basically just going to be talking about what, I, yeah. what I'm thinking of what researching for next week. Or ne next week, next month. Next month. <laughs> Alright, so fun fact number one. Canada is bigger than the European Union, so no, we don't know Bob from Kelowna since we live in Ontario. Canada is 33 times bigger than Italy and 15 times bigger than France, 30% larger than Australia, 5 times bigger than Mexico, and 3 times as big as India. 
It is about the same size as 81,975 Walt Disney Worlds all put together. That's a big space of fun. <laughs> I want that. <laughs> I want 82,000 Walt Disney Worlds put together. Um, so, fun fact number two, Canada has 10% of the world's forests. Across the country, 396.9 million hectares of forest and other wooded land can be found across the country. How big is a hectare? I honestly <laughs> have no idea. Me I used to know years ago. I should have looked that up, but it's fine. Yeah, how dare you not know? <laughs> All right, so Will's going to talk about what he's going to be researching for his first episode, August 22nd. All right, so I've been trying to figure out what I want to talk about when I actually do start recording on my own. So I'm going to be doing anything weird within Canada, like urban myths, legends. Uh, so... Like, a couple of things that I thought of doing was stories about the Windigo, Bigfoot, and I was kind of curious if there's anything in the world that is basically the same sort of story as the Loch Ness Monster, and apparently there is one that's here in Canada. I have no idea how believable it actually is but i'm gonna look into it and that's gonna be my my episode of the podcast in a few weeks it's gonna be quite interesting to see what i can actually find out but it's gonna be fun <laughs> i'm excited it's not just you though i'll be doing a story also <clears throat> let's do it together <laughs> vomit <laughs> that's rude <laughs> How rude. Do you have anything else to say? Uh, no, not really. Okay. <laughs> Me neither. Okay, so you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at the Great Weird North Podcast, on Twitter at Great North 21, and you can email us at the Great Weird North at gmail.com. Send in your personal true crime haunting weird situation stories you want to be kept anonymous that's fine just state it in your email and if you feel like donating you can donate do that at buymeacoffee.com slash great weird north it's just new we just started it this week so check that out and you can find us pretty much everywhere you listen to your podcast so if you don't have anything else no I'm, right. just, I'm just keeping the dog from whining <laughs> okay all right, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, everybody. I will talk to you soon.